We use the phrase, I hate to burst your bubble when we have to give people information that's going to ruin their happy mood or it's going to destroy their expectations or ruin the plans that they've made. For example, if you're planning on going to the Super Bowl to watch the Texans in the big game for the first time in their history, but you didn't see the first game of the season and you didn't know how it turned out, I might say something like, I hate to burst your bubble, but the first game this year, it was a lot like the last game last year. But I do think it's too early to burst the Texans bubble. It's just one game. I'm an eternal optimist. I'm not getting tickets to the Super Bowl, but I'm an eternal optimist. You know, I looked up the origin of the phrase, I hate to burst your bubble this week, and I found that it actually comes from children blowing bubbles and hoping that they don't pop. Children blowing bubbles and then trying to catch those bubbles. But the bubbles are so fragile. That's literally where the phrase comes from, is that these bubbles that kids blow, that they want to keep, are so fragile and they so easily pop. And we make our plans, and we think everything should go exactly the way we plan it, that everything is going to be perfect and to go as planned. And we think those plans are ironclad. We think that everything is gonna go great. You know, we've made our plans. We've done everything that we're supposed to do. But really, all of our plans are like children blowing bubbles. Our plans are so fragile. And our little bubble of our own little plans so easily bursts. My niece's wedding was scheduled for last April, and then of course, the coronavirus hit, and their big wedding that they were so excited about had to be postponed and they just eventually had it this last weekend and it was much different than planned. It was a lot smaller. Everyone had to wear a mask. There was social distancing. And at the reception, there were all these items that represented the countries of France and Spain. So I asked my sister-in-law, you know, why do they have all these things about France and Spain? She said, oh, they had planned this amazing honeymoon to France and Spain. Of course, they had to cancel that too. And I said, well, are they going anywhere on their honeymoon? She said, well, they're supposed to fly out to Northern California tomorrow, but the wildfires, I'm just not sure. And I thought, you know, the the little bubble of their plans just kept bursting, Uh, but it didn't matter. I mean, they had such joy on their faces, the, the bride and the groom. It didn't seem to care about any of it because the miracle of marriage still took place. And really, I think that's a great way to start married life because life is really all about learning how to find the miracle when your bubble bursts. I mean, that's what life's all about because our little plans are always bursting and something comes in unexpected and changes the plan and we get so frustrated in life. And when something comes in and bursts our bubble and changes the plan, what do we do? Well, we think that we can just make more plans. We think that we can just do what we've been doing and do it even more. Because if we do it even more, then we can control things a little better. And if we put out all our little control bubbles, then everything's going to be okay. And we try to control everything and fix everything and make the circumstances perfect. But all of our little control bubbles eventually burst. And we realize that we're not really in control. And it's a good thing. 
Because it's only when all our efforts to control fail that we can finally surrender to God and his plan. And God will do just about anything to burst the bubble of our own little plans so that we can experience his great purpose in our lives. So many times God has allowed my bubble to burst so that I can experience a whole new world, a whole new purpose at a whole new level. And the thing God uses the most to burst our bubbles with our own little plans where we try to control everything is dead ends. God will use dead ends in your life over and over again to burst the bubble of your own little plans so you can experience his great purpose. So today we're gonna look at the most famous dead end of the Bible, the miracle at the Red Sea. You've all heard about the miracle at the Red Sea, but I want us to look at it from a whole new perspective today and how God wants to work in your life at the dead end that you're at right now. And so would you open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 14? Exodus chapter 14. See, after 400 years in slavery in Egypt, God raised up Moses to confront Pharaoh, and after the miracle of all the plagues, finally Pharaoh relents and he gives in, and the Israelites are allowed to go free, and they think everything is gonna be amazing now. The great miracle has taken place. They have their freedom after 400 years in slavery, and so and they leave and they're praising God. They've had a great victory. They're rejoicing. Everything is now going as planned. And then what happens? They hit a dead end. They think everything's gonna be perfect. Now our greatest problem is over with. Everything's gonna be smooth sailing now. All our circumstances will be perfect, but God burst their bubble of perfection so they can experience his great purpose. Right away, they find themselves at a dead end because Pharaoh changes his mind. He brings the whole Egyptian army after them. They have the Red Sea in front of them, the Egyptian army behind them. They're at a dead end. And of course, here's what happens in Exodus 14, verse 13. Would you stand in honor of God's word? And just follow along with me. And I wanna welcome all of you who are worshiping with us online and all of you guys here. It's so awesome to see your faces at least most of your faces. It's so awesome because, I mean, I've been preaching to an empty auditorium for so long, and, and now that we've returned to in-person services at our campuses, man, the energy level is so high because we realized how much we've missed community, how much we've missed connection. We need that so desperately. And so whether you're in one of our services at one of our campuses right now or you're connected online, as long as you're connected, that's what matters. We've got to stay connected to each other. And so I know there's so many of you all around the world who are connected with us right now. And I'm so grateful for that, that we are connected as one body in Christ. So just follow along with me. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, the chariots, and his horsemen. Dear God, I know that so many of us are at a dead end in some area of our life today. 
And Lord, we get so frustrated when our plans blow up in smoke. We get so frustrated when our bubble bursts. But Lord, we know that it's a sacred place to be because it is the place right before a miracle. And Lord, I just sense today that there's so many here in our campuses or connected online that are right there at that place that all they can see is a dead end because the barrier that they're facing seems so big. But Lord, I know that they're right there at the place before deliverance, that you have them right where you want them to be so you can work the miracle that they need. And I pray that you would do that as only you can and you'd be glorified and people would see that you are the one who meets our needs and that you are the powerful one and you are the only one worthy of our worship. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. I want you to notice that God leads them to this dead end. In Exodus 13, 18, it says, so God led the people around by the desert by the desert road toward the Red Sea. Now think about that. God led them. God led them right where they were, which ended up being a dead end. Now, I mean God led them. God really led them. Now, we talk about being led by God, and God leads me. I seek God's guidance. But, I mean, there was no doubt that every step they took, they were following God. Remember, there was the cloud by day that would guide them. When the cloud would move out, the Israelites would move out. When the cloud would stop, then they would stop. Wouldn't that be cool if God put a little cloud in front of you? You know, in the morning, you go, God, just tell me where to go today and what to do today, and I wanna do your will today. I wanna follow in you and your blessings. So, and you just got this little cloud, so you just follow the little cloud, wherever the little cloud went. Some of you go, I got a dark cloud hanging over me. But I mean, you know, when you were praying, God, show us what you want us to do, wouldn't that make it a lot easier? And then at night, they had a pillar of fire that would lead them. So they would follow it. When it would move, they would move. When it would stop, they would stop. And so, I mean, God was leading them. God led them every step to the very place that they were, which was a terrible dead end. Here they were, the Red Sea in front of them, the Egyptian army behind them. They're at a dead end, but God led them to that dead end. And that shows me that dead ends are part of God's plan for our lives. God wanted them to be right at that place, right at that time. And God purposely leads us to dead ends. Why? Well, there's several reasons. First, to burst the bubble of fear. God wants to burst the bubble of fear in your life. In Exodus 14, 10, it says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. So the Israelites are camping at the Red Sea. They look up, they see the Egyptian army coming to attack, and they are terrified. Just seeing the Egyptians again produces this visceral fear. It triggers this visceral response that's just reflexive because all of a sudden, all the terror and the fears that they felt being slaves in Egypt come flooding back to them. They can't help it. I mean, it's just a trigger a trigger response that just fills them up with fear instantly. No longer are they slaves to the Egyptians, but they're still slaves to fear. And it's not the past hurt that defeats you. It's the fear that the past hurt's gonna happen again. 
It's not the past problem that holds you back. It's the fear that it's going to happen again that keeps you down. And so God brings us to dead ends to burst the bubble of fear in our lives. You can't help it when the feeling of fear comes into your life. Maybe there's a trigger from a past hurt and something reminds you of it, and it just floods into your life and your emotions. But then you get to choose what you focus on. You can panic or you can pray. And so God brings them to a dead end so he can destroy their fears because it's at the dust of a dead end when I give up and I surrender to God that he drives my fears into the dust. God uses dead ends to burst the bubble of fear and he uses dead ends to build my faith. God uses dead ends to build our faith. Look how God used this dead end to build their faith. In Exodus 14, 31, it says, and when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Before the dead end, they feared the Egyptians. After the dead end, they feared God. That's what dead ends will do to our faith when we surrender to God. See, every time you come to the place of a dead end where your bubble bursts and your world collapses and everything looks hopeless, but you keep trusting God, you keep taking steps of faith, and God comes through, it builds your faith. It strengthens your faith. And so God will lead us to dead ends so that he can deliver us so that we can see that God is the deliverer. God brings us to dead ends so we come to the end of ourselves where we can find God because it's the end of yourself. It's the only place you can find God. And so they came to the end of themselves and God worked a miracle and it built their faith. But what the Israelites didn't realize at the time is that this was a process that God was gonna take them through over and over again. You see, dead ends are just part of the process of building our faith. It's a process God will take you through over and over again. The Israelites didn't realize this. They thought once they got out of Egypt, then everything would be perfect, but then they come to a dead end right away. They thought once they got through the Red Sea, then everything would be perfect, but what happens? They're in the desert, they have no water, they come to a dead end right away. Dead end after dead end, after 40 years in the desert, wandering around in the desert, they come to the promised land where everything's going to be perfect, but it was not the perfect land, it was the promised land. And the first thing they hit is giants in the land. And God says, I've given you this land, but you gotta take it one step at a time. Dead end to deliverance, dead end to deliverance, dead end to deliverance. It is the process that God takes us through over and over again to build our faith. And some of you are at a dead end right now, and you need to know that you're not at a place that's hopeless. You are at the place for a miracle. God does his greatest miracles at the place of dead end. Why? To burst the bubble of fear and to build your faith. He also uses dead ends to break the chains from our past. God will break you free from past chains at dead ends. God tells the people through Moses in Exodus 14, 13, the Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. I love that. For 400 years, the Israelites' greatest problem was the Egyptian slaveholders. And God brings them to a dead end so he can deliver the Israelites from the Egyptians once and for all. God brings them to a dead end to destroy their greatest problem once and for all. Oh, they would have many other problems, but never again, the Egyptians. 
God delivered them. God gave them victory over the Egyptians once and for all. And God uses dead ends to do that, to break you free from past chains. And some of you are going through the same old problem for what feels like 400 years. Maybe it's the same financial problem. Maybe it's the same relationship problem. Maybe it's the same addiction or destructive habit. Maybe it's just the same thing over and over and over again. Could it be that God has brought you to a dead end this time so he can deliver you from that problem once and for all? Oh, you'll have other problems in life. As long as you've got a pulse, you've got problems. And we're not in heaven yet. But I mean, it's time today to have victory over this one. I believe with all my heart God wants to do that today. But you gotta stop trying to fix the problem. Stop trying to control because that's never worked and surrender to God and his control and plan. Maybe you're struggling with a sinful habit that you've been struggling with far too long and God has allowed you finally to hit rock bottom, to come to that dead end so that you look up to him. When you hit rock bottom, the only place you can look is up and you look up and then you surrender to God and then you admit it to someone else that you need help and everything begins to change. Some of you are at a dead end today because of a past hurt that's wounded you so deeply and you've held on to it, it just keeps festering and it just keeps hurting you. And you have a barrier of bitterness that you just can't break through. But today, today is the day you leave that behind. Today is the day you stop trying to fix it yourself. You stop trying to forget about it and you face it head on and you say, I choose to forgive God by your power. I forgive. I need your help to do it, but I choose to do it. I forgive. I don't feel like it, but I choose to forgive them because you command me to and I don't want them to hurt me anymore. I choose to forgive. You see, God brings us to dead ends so he can destroy our greatest problem and we'll never have it again. I'm so grateful for that. We've got a lot of other problems that'll come our way, a lot of other dead ends, but sometimes God brings you to a dead end so he can deliver you from your greatest problem. And God uses dead ends to bring you to your destiny. God tells Moses to lead the people to the dead end to that place right before the Red Sea where they camped. And then he tells Moses why he's doing it. In Exodus 14, two, he says, Pharaoh will think the Israelites are lost. They're confused. The wilderness has closed in on them. Then I'll make Pharaoh's heart stubborn again and he'll chase after them. And I'll use Pharaoh and his army to put my glory on display. Then the Egyptians will realize that I am God. It was all in God's plan all along to bring the Israelites to the dead end so he could burst the bubble of their own little plans and bring them into his great purpose for their lives and for the nation and for him to be glorified. And all of Egypt could see that God is powerful. God leads you to dead ends because it points people to God's greatness. You see, it's in the dead end of my weakness where God shows up strong and people can notice that God is working in my life. It's at those dead ends when people see I'm at a dead end, but God comes through and delivers me, they see that it's God and not me. And God gets the glory and it makes his name famous. Our dead ends point people to God's greatness. God said, I'm gonna be glorified. All of Egypt's gonna know how powerful I am. I'm gonna get glory from Pharaoh and his army. And I'm gonna bring you to this dead end so that I can do that. 
and God's main purpose in allowing us to come to the place of dead end is so that he will be glorified, so that people will see in you and in me his power and his greatness in our lives. God has called you to greatness. I believe that with all my heart. And just saying that makes me feel a little uncomfortable. That God has called me to greatness makes me feel uncomfortable because I know in and of myself, I'm not great. God has called us to greatness, but here's the thing. Until we come to a dead end and the end of ourselves and trying to be great in and of ourselves, it's useless. We're so powerless without him. Some of you have been trying to change, trying to change, trying to change, and you've realized how powerless you are without him. It's time to surrender totally to God and let his power come through you so that he shows his greatness through you because it's all about his greatness. And when people see that, then they're attracted to you. When people see the greatness of God, they're not attracted really to you. They're attracted to God in you, living through you, to Jesus Christ shining through you. It's all about him and not about us. God will burst my own little bubble to show me and everyone around me it's not about me, it's all about him and his glory. So what do you do at these dead ends? Your dead ends bring people to life. They see the greatness of God in your life and it's God's plan because he uses dead ends to bring you to your destiny. I mean, it was all part of God's plan for the Israelites to bring them to this place of dead end where they faced an impossible barrier. But just know this, whenever you're at a dead end, there's always a door. And I need to pray, God, open my eyes to see the door there. Sometimes when God brings me to a dead end, all I can see is a brick wall. All I can see is an impossible mountain that I cannot get through. But God says, can't you see the door? Whenever God brings you to a dead end, there's always a door to your destiny right there in that dead end. What I'm saying is so important, don't miss this. Could it be that your greatest barrier you're facing right now is the very bridge that God wants to use to get you to your destiny, to the next level, to where you need to go, to that place of fulfillment, peace, and purpose? He does this all the time. They were facing the Red Sea, the Egyptian army behind them. It was an impossible barrier. No, it wasn't. It was the very bridge God was gonna use to get them toward their destiny and to destroy their greatest problem and to bring great glory to himself. Think about it. And so what I need to do is I need to pray, God, open my eyes this week so that instead of seeing that brick wall, instead of seeing that mountain Instead of seeing that boulder in my path, I see the doorway because that doorway is there. Sometimes it feels like vines have grown all over it and I can't see it, but God says it is so clear. And when you can't see God's plan, he'll take hold of your hand and he will walk you through that door if you let him. If you come to the place of surrender and go, I give up, God. I, I can't see it, so I just give up and I want you to lead me, to guide me, to do what you want. I leave the results up to you. He will walk you through that door because at the dust of every dead end, there is a doorway to your destiny. We just need to say, God, open my eyes so that I can see it. So let me give you just several basic things, real simple but so profound, of what you do when you come to a dead end. First, stop giving in to fear. You've got to stop giving in to fear. In Exodus 14, 13, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. You can't help it when fear fills your emotions, but then you get that choice. 
You can panic or pray. You can bring it to the Lord. You can choose to keep walking in faith or you can focus in on it. Now in fear, we usually want to go backwards. Fear causes us to either get paralyzed or try to move backwards. They wanted to go back in chains because of their fear. In Exodus 14, 12, the people grumbled and murmured. They said, didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. So after God had done the great miracle to lead them out of Egypt, here they are going, hey, it was better, better back there. You know, it was a lot better back there. It wasn't that bad in Egypt. And they did this over and over again. You see, after God worked the miracle and he parted the Red Sea, they walked through on dry land and then the Egyptian army comes in after them and God closes the waters on the Egyptian army and destroys them. I believe the main purpose, main reason God did that was not to destroy their greatest enemy. It was to keep them from going back into slavery. You see, God burned their bridge so they couldn't go back because over and over again, whenever they would run into problems and they would come to a dead end, they would start grumbling and griping and saying, well, it wasn't that bad in Egypt. I mean, you know, we got to eat some onions by the Nile that tasted pretty good. Sure, I mean, the labor was really tough. We had to do what everyone else told us to do and it was hard and it was difficult, but it wasn't that bad. I wish we could go back, but they couldn't because God had burned the bridge. They couldn't go back through the Red Sea and he wasn't gonna part it again. They couldn't go back. Once he'd closed it up, it was over with. Their bridge was burned and I find many times God will burn our bridges to get us moving forward because he says, there's no going back. There is no going back. I'm moving forward and you're moving forward with me. There's no going back to where you've been. You will never be that same person again. Sometimes we have to burn our own bridges. God wants us to do that, to say, hey, whatever happens, I'm never going back. I'm never going back to that. I'm moving forward in faith. An alcoholic has to come to the place where all the bridges are burned. And there's nowhere else to turn. There's nowhere else to go. That they've hurt so many people and hurt themselves and They've almost killed themselves and they finally realize if I keep doing this another day, he's gonna kill me. And all the bridges are burnt and there's nowhere else to go. That's what it takes in our lives and just about everything. It takes burning all the bridges. So there's no way to go back. It takes telling someone else about the struggle you're going through. It's like, never going back. I wanna tell you, I want you to pray for me. I need help, I need restoration. Never going back. When God calls us forth in faith and he breaks through a dead end, it's so that we will never go back. And sometimes he's got to burn the bridges behind us so that we will never return to the way it was. I believe with all my heart, though I don't understand so much about this coronavirus pandemic, I understand very little, but I know this one thing. God says to you, you are never going back. You're never going back to the way you were before. You're never going back to the way it was before because I've got a new plan for you that's greater and better and filled with my purpose and this time it'll be my way and you'll find fulfillment and peace 
and strength, following my purpose, my way. We always say, hey, when is it gonna get back to normal? When is it gonna get back to normal? When is it gonna get, and I know what we're saying. I mean, yeah, I mean, we want so much to get back to the way it was, but God says, nope, never going back to the way it was. I've got a better plan for the future. I've got a better plan. There's gonna be problems, there's gonna be pain, there's gonna be difficulties, there's gonna be dead ends, but you are never going back to the way it was because I want you to follow me from now on. Have your bridges been burned? God has you in a great place. It's a place for a miracle where you'll never look back. It was terrible in Egypt. It was horrible. They were slaves in Egypt, but they were going, hey, it wasn't that bad back there. And so God had to burn their bridges. And sometimes out of fear, we prefer slavery to sin rather than the painful changes that God is bringing us through to get us to where we need to be. He has to move us back so he can move us past the barrier many times to where he wants us to be. And it's those painful changes that we're going through that we think, oh man, this is hard, this is difficult, this is painful, this hurts. And we think, maybe it was better back there in my complacency. Maybe it was better back there when, you know, I was really being destroyed by that habit. Maybe it was better back there when I was going through that horrible hurt and holding it in and letting it fester. Maybe it was, and God says, never go back. You gotta come to the place where you say, my bridges are burned, and if they're not, I'm gonna burn those bridges because I am never going back to the way I was. God wants me more and more to be more like him, and I will never go back to the way I was yesterday. Folks, I want you to know, your pastor is not gonna settle for God doing something in my life 20 years ago. For God doing something in my life 26 years ago when this church started, I'm not gonna settle for God doing something 10 years ago, five years ago, two days ago in my life. I want God to do something fresh and new and powerful in my life today. And in this church today, in the greatest days of Woodland Church are just ahead of us with God's power. And we are never going back to the way it was. Praise God for all he did. But we're moving forward in faith to reach this world for Jesus Christ. God will burn my bridges to get me to see the blessings. Well, I want you to see a second thing. Stand firm on God's promises. Stand firm on God's promises. Exodus 14, 13 says, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. Moses said, we gotta stand firm on God's promises. So don't give in to fear, but focus on God's promises. There are over 7,000 in God's word. This week, you gotta pick two or three and memorize them, meditate on them, think about them. You see, God promised the Israelites through Abraham they would be a great nation. And so he wasn't gonna let them drown in the Red Sea. He'd brought them too far to let them drown in the Red Sea. And God has brought you too far to let you drown. God has brought you too far to give up on you now. God has brought you too far to let you stay right where you are. God has brought you too far to let you go under. He's gonna get you through. You are gonna make it through with God's power and God's strength. He's brought you too far to let you down. He's given you his promises. Focus on those promises when you can't see what God is up to, focus on God's promises because he always comes through. God promised the Israelites they'd be a great nation and he kept his promise. But the third thing is we gotta stop fighting and surrender to God's power. 
In Exodus 14, 14, Moses says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Moses said, you don't have to fight this battle. You can stop struggling. Stop blowing all these bubbles of control that are gonna burst. Stop trying to figure this out. Stop grumbling. Stop griping. Stop being anxious and fearful and just be still in your heart. Be still and know that he is God and you're not. God tells me that all the time. I I love that passage in Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am the Lord. I will be exalted in the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. And God is basically saying, Carrie, it's not up to you. It's up to me. So if you'll just be still in your heart, I'm gonna do all that I promised you. Be still in your heart. Stop being anxious. Just surrender to me and I will do all that I'm going to do in your life that I promised. Be still and know that he is God, and you're not. It doesn't mean you're not to work and to work hard and to do things for the Lord and all that, but in your heart, you're still. You're not struggling, you're not striving, you're not worrying, you're not fretting. You're just being still in your heart, realizing that he's God and he's still in control. He's got you covered and it's not your battle to fight. Some of you are fighting battles that were never meant to be your battles to fight. You're fighting battles and God's holding back because if you'll quit fighting and struggling, then I'll get involved. And when we finally get to the place where we give up and go, God, I give up, I can't do it, this is impossible. And he says, great, finally, I've been waiting for that, now I'll fight this battle. Some of you are fighting battles that you were never made to fight. God says, just stand on my promises. Stand firm on my promises. Don't give in, and I'm gonna fight this one for you. I've got this one covered. But then there's the fourth thing. Start moving in faith and watch God make a way. Start moving in faith and make God, or watch God make a way. In Exodus 14, 15, it says, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. This is so interesting to me because God is basically telling Moses here, stop praying and get moving. I mean, how often does God say that? I mean, usually God tells me, Carrie, stop moving and get to praying. You're doing all these things in and of your own strength, so be still in your heart. And we're to be still in our hearts and trust him because he's God. And then we're to take a step of faith and get moving so that he can guide us and fill us with his power. We're not to sit on our blessed assurance. We're to step out in faith to say, God, I want you to fill me with your power. I'm gonna step out in faith. God says, why are you praying? I've already given you the promised land. Why are you sitting around praying about it? You just gotta step out and you gotta take it. You gotta step into the water, get your feet wet, and I'll part the water and you can walk through. And some of you are praying, going, God, I need you to bless me and work things out, and, but you're not moving at all. God says, you gotta take steps of faith and I'll take it from there. All you gotta do is take a step of faith and I'll guide you to the next step, but I say, God, it looks like there's thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of steps for me to get to where you want me to be, and God says, don't worry about any step but the next step. Take the next step and I'll give you the strength to do that. Take the next step. So what is the next step for you? Sometimes people say, God, if you'll bless me by winning the lottery, then I will tithe, well maybe not tithe, but I'll give you part of that back. God, if you really bless me, then I'll give. And God says, no, just take a step of faith and obey me in giving and then I will meet your needs. And we say, God, If you'll just work it out that I'll have this 
great ministry opportunity, then I'll do it. And God says, no, just start serving. Start serving in church today. Start serving and, and get involved, get connected. Some of you, the next step is joining the church. You've never joined the church. You have Christ in your life, but you're kind of on the sidelines, and it's time for you to get connected, to get involved. We're going to have a huge membership class coming up in October, and that's how you join. Time for you to get in the game. Some of you have never received Christ. You've never really come to the place of surrender to say, God, I can't save myself. I need you to save me. Forgive me of my sins, and I accept that free gift. I've been trying to earn it. I can't. I need you to save me. That's the next step, and that changes everything. But I can tell you this. God wants you to take a step, and then he will open the door. We always say, God, just open that door so wide, and if you open that door so wide, then I will walk through that door. But God says, you gotta take a step, you gotta knock, and then the door's gonna be open. You've gotta ask, you've gotta seek, and then you will find. And when God opens a door, nobody can shut it. God wants you to see the door to your destiny, but that door is hidden in your dead end. What I'm saying is, the dead end you're facing right now is more than likely the deliverance that God has for you. What I'm saying is the impossible barrier that you're at right now is really the very bridge that God's gonna use to take you to your destiny. There was a time when the disciples were with Christ and he asked them a really interesting question. He says, will you too leave me? Like everyone else is leaving me. You see, everyone loved Jesus when he would feed them and do those miracles. Jesus, do some more of those miracles, you know, and, and give us free lunch. That's wonderful. That's amazing. And then when he started giving them some tough truths, then people started leaving him. And, and Jesus said, hey, are you guys going to leave me too like, like everyone else? And Simon Peter said something so profound. He said, where else would we go? All our bridges are burned. We have nowhere else to go. He said, where else could we go because you're the only one who's given us life. He was saying, I don't know what's gonna happen in the future. It may be hard, it may be difficult. There may be some painful changes that we're gonna go through. I'm a little scared about it. I don't know exactly what's gonna happen, but we got no place to go because you're the only one who's given us life. We will never go back to the way we were because all we found was death, all we found was emptiness. All we found in that old way of life was a purposelessness that just pervaded everything in our lives. And so, no, we got nowhere else to go because nowhere else have we found life. We found life in you, Jesus Christ. Our bridges are burned. We've got nowhere else to go. We're moving forward in faith with your power and your strength. We're all in. And Jesus, mine asks you, hey, are you going to walk away from me? Are you going to leave me? And I pray that every one of us say, we've got nowhere else to go. You're the only one who's given us life. You're the only one who's given us meaning. You're the only one who's given us fulfillment. We've not found it in anything else. Thank you, God, for bursting my little bubble so I can find your great purpose. I want us to bow together and pray. And if you've never received Christ, just pray this prayer silently to God. Maybe you're connected online. I know 
thousands of you are all around the world right now, or maybe you're right here in the auditorium, or you're at our Atascacita campus or our North Point campus, just pray this prayer if you've never received Christ. Just say in your heart, silently to God, Jesus Christ, I need you to save me. I've tried to save myself. I've tried to control things, but I realize that I'm not in control, so I surrender to you and ask you to forgive me of all my sins and come into my life with your Holy Spirit and change me from the inside out. Lord God, I've got nowhere else to go but to you because you offer life. I never wanna go back to the way I was. I accept your free gift of salvation in heaven one day. Thank you for saving me. Now help me grow in my faith. And Lord, I pray for everyone here, everyone who's watching, everyone who's connected, that you would just strengthen us to take the next step, whatever that may be. And Lord, as we take that next step, help us see the doorway that's in the middle of the dead end. I pray for everyone who's at a dead end right now, a dead end where they're hurting so desperately. Lord, so many things in life hurt so deeply. And I pray, Lord, that you would just take the pain and bring about your good purpose, even in the middle of it, for your glory, that you, Lord Jesus, would just open up the doorway and walk them through that dead end to their destiny. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, now we're at the time of our service where we give back to God, Woodland Church, and it's a joy for us to do that, a joy for us to, to give to him. We do it a little differently now, of course, because since we don't pass the baskets, but we give our offering just the same, and we give online, wc.org slash give. And if you haven't set up for recurrent giving, do it right now. Don't procrastinate. wc.org slash give. Or you can take out your smartphone. In fact, everyone in the auditorium, you ought to take out your smartphone and give. And as you do that, just text the word GiveWC, one word, GiveWC, to 77977. And then you can also mail in your check if you want, One Fellowship Drive, the Woodlands, Texas, 77384. Um, or you can, if you're in an auditorium, one of our three auditoriums, give in the generosity boxes on your way out. Um, you can give that way. Or you can give stocks and assets. There's all kinds of ways to give, and we all can't give the same amount, but we can all give with God's power and God's glory. Did you know that there's some things God can't do? You say, Carrie, I thought God could do anything because he's God. No, there's some things God can't do, the Bible says. He can't lie. He's God of truth. He'll always be truthful. He cannot lie. The Bible says that God cannot change. He's immutable, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He cannot change. You know, there, there's some things that God cannot do, and one of the things that God cannot do is be second place in our lives. He refuses to be second place because he's a God of the first. Now, you can make him second place, third place, 50th place in your life, but he demands first place. He's still first, whether you make him first or not. But when we put him first in our lives, in the most important areas of our lives, then God intervenes. We put him first, we honor him, and his honor principle comes into being in our lives, and he meets our needs, he blesses, he strengthens us. And so I just really encourage you, the reason why we give to God, the number one reason is to put God first. Because a lot of people say, you know, I've given God a slice of my life, it's kind of like a pie. All these slices, there's my work slice, my hobby slice, there's my church slice, my family slice. And God says, 
No, I want to be at the center of the pie. I want to be first in everything, your work, your relationships, your family, your finances, everything. First place. God demands first place. And when we put him first, he meets our needs. The scripture says, honor the Lord with the first and the best of all you make. Putting him first. Bring the whole tithe into my storehouse, says the Lord, and see if I want to open up the windows of heaven and bless you in such a way that you won't be able to contain it. God says, I will meet your needs and I'll give you blessings that money can't buy. I'll overflow in your life in so many ways. And so, so many are hurting right now. There's so many going through pain and problems and we're doing so much to meet needs more than we ever have. Meeting the needs of the hungry and the homeless and the hurting and people in our church, people outside our church. I've been in Slidell, our teams have been in Slidell all this last week and helping them and we're gonna be helping someone else with our disaster relief teams coming up with what's going on now, but it's always about stepping out in faith and serving. And we give and we serve because we love Jesus Christ. So let's give to the Lord right now. Give to him right now. You give on your smartphone, give on your computer at home, give however you feel led to give. We can't give the same amount, but everybody can give. And some of you have been blessed. And during this time of difficulty where so many are going through pain, I believe God wants you to give extra above and beyond for his glory and his kingdom. I want us to stand together and let's sing our closing song because here's the amazing thing. You don't have to just meet God at church. Right when you leave church, you can still be meeting with your maker. You can still be meeting with the Lord God because he's with you all the time if he's in your life to give you his strength. And every morning, Chris and I do a devotional. It's called Daily Overflow on Instagram, on the Woodlands, Insta Woodlands Church Instagram site. Every morning, 8 a.m., and we're just doing our quiet times with you and to help you out so that we can connect together even more. And so you can just connect with us every morning, 8 a.m., on Instagram, Woodlands Church Instagram. And you can keep praising the Lord through Woodlands worship. We just put out a new song, this song, the guys are getting ready to sing. You know, it's making a difference in churches all around the country. And so as we sing to the Lord, just know, be ready every day to meet your maker. I'm not talking about going to heaven. You know, hopefully you have the Lord in your life. If not, then you need to be ready to meet your maker and trust Christ. But be ready every day to meet him. Be ready every day to follow him, to take steps of faith, to do what he's called you to do. Let's sing with all our hearts. Ready. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.